Ah, Mansfield, this is a great Thanksgiving get-together. Uh, what, what'd you wind up bringing? So, I made our family's corn stuffing recipe. Turns out it's a little bit better uh, if you don't use corn tortillas. So, uh, I modified that this year. I think it came out pretty good. Nice, nice. I brought the green bean casserole. It's my mama's recipe. It's 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 pretty good. Uh, Has it got mayonnaise in it? Got mayonnaise and raisins in it. Hell yeah. Uh, Noaki, what'd you bring this year? Oh, me? I brought Blood Rage. Oh, God damn it. Fuck. Not again. Welcome to another episode of Watch If You Dare. 101, <laughs> by the way, our first of the of the new set of 100. Yeah. Uh, it's a horror movie podcast hosted by Movie Monster Boy Aaron and me, the cowardly co-host Derek, which I believe I said I Pokemon evolved into the Craven, Derek, and <laughs> which we dissect the fears, phobias, and social relevancy of horror movies across all ages and subgenres, as well as discuss just how scary they are for horror newbies and horror junkies alike. I have to say, it's pretty apropos that our first episode after our big one hundred is fucking blood rage yet again and we have yet another one of our friends that we've exposed this goofy ass movie to oh yeah jonathan nowacki who was last on our public mauling of the strangers that lost us a bunch of downloads and listeners <laughs> yeah sorry about that guys like uh maybe this time i will lose you some more listeners yeah there you go Aaron, how how are you doing this thanksgiving season uh pretty good i'm finally out of Mississippi, I am up in the wonderful, the DMV, as I'm learning people up here call it, the uh, D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, and uh, just getting used to life with seasons, so that's kind of a nice change. Must be nice, yeah. I thought all the seasons were in the South. Like we got Mrs. Dash, we got Tony's. Yeah, we got Tony's. <laughs> Good joke. I'm glad this this is why we brought your comedic timing to back to the podcast yeah. yet again. This is the Thanksgiving specific humor we need for this. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is it really cranberry sauce if it doesn't come out looking like the can? Exactly. It's gotta have ridges. <laughs> yeah. It's not cranberry sauce. Yeah, we're just going to get that started right away. But yeah, like usual, uh, nothing's changed after 100 episodes. We're going to do our recommendation section, which we talk about other horror movies, video games, books, TV, comics, etc. that all of us have consumed lately. Um, I have a feeling that one of these recommendations is one that all three of us will wind up talking about. <laughs> yep. I didn't get to watch it yet. Oh, fuck. Well, I guess me and Mansfield are yeah, going to talk I rec- about it. I recommended it because I saw the trailer, but like I, I didn't actually get around to watching it yet. It was on my list and I got distracted today. But yeah, we're going to start with the guest, of course. So, Jonathan, have you gotten into anything else kind of horror related? I think I remember you telling me that there was a uh, horror video game recently that you had played yeah yeah i've been uh, i've been playing cult of the lamb oh shit how is that it is fantastic so cult of the lamb is a really cutesy animal crossing type animals 
but you're also working for these eldritch gods and start like a blood cult. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> Think of like a, a Hades-esque roguelike, but then in between each dungeon that you do, it turns into like an Animal Crossing-esque simulator of sorts. Okay. But instead of like farming and meeting happy animals, you are instead getting these cute little animals to do like blood sacrifices and, <laughs> you know, just doing these these rituals. You're trying to get them to join your cult to pray to the eldritch gods. It's really fun. It's cute. And the soundtrack is banging as shit. I've yet to find a good version of it on YouTube, but the song that plays in the main town area or you like your little cult camp tracks like 23 minutes or something before it loops. Like it's absurdly <laughs> long. Like it's, it's good though. Like it's so good the whole way through. Yeah. I'm looking at these screenshots with like next to no context. One of them, it does look kind of like a, uh, Looks like a Midsommar cult on one screenshot. And then the next screenshot is like giant mushroom forest you're in is on fire. And the mushrooms are made out of what looks like souls all blended (laughs) together Mm -hmm. into like pillars of souls that make up the mushroom and everything's on fire. Yeah, this is hilarious. It is very Animal Crossing-esque, but then turn it really fucking dark. Yeah, this is legitimately right up your alley, Derek. Uh, If you have not played this game, I cannot recommend it enough for you. Well, I just came across my favorite screenshot in that same village area in the center of it is like a wicker man effigy of one of the animals except the animal is bigger and it has eyes that are black and it's bleeding black like out of the eyes Mm -hmm. and they're like praying to it or something yeah what platform is this on it's on just about everything that i know of it's on the switch it's on the xbox it's on ps5 it's on steam okay yeah i'm sure it's on ps4 and xbox one as well it has crazy good reviews yeah adding that to the list cool yeah it is really fun so kind of at the time of this recording the most recent like update to it i'm seeing on the steam page at least this was back from october 24th is the blood moon festival mm-hmm. and it says you're invited to the blood moon festival so i guess it's like a certain event that's happening in the game yeah it, it's pretty cool you get to like your your little cult followers you get to know each of them individually and you can choose to like if some of them aren't working hard enough on your cult or praising you enough as the cult leader you can choose to sacrifice them <laughs> all, kinds of, all these just cute little animals and it's just like no we're we're sicking you on the stake man sorry this sounds like what heather and i were basically trying to turn our island on animal crossing into mm-hmm. and uh we basically just picked all of the more gothy animal villagers to come live with us mm-hmm. had everything decorated pretty spoopy i turned my entire area into like a graveyard so yeah definitely sounds kind of similar to what we were trying to do but like that's actually just the whole game yeah and you know what knowing heather she'd probably love this game this is right up her alley too cool and that's called cult of the lamb 
Cult of the Lamb. I don't think it's a very cool. expensive game either, like maybe 20 bucks. Hell yeah. Yeah, I think at release it was only 25 and I've seen it go on sale at least once. So, And that that is like such a very relevant type of video game recommendation for our show mm-hmm. and especially it sounds like people who aren't necessarily like horror fans or people who like can't handle typical horror video games like this sounds like a pretty good fun game to play yeah if uh if you want to like dabble in that yeah just don't do it if you're like overly religious moms that you know tried to ban Mortal combat back in the day but you probably wouldn't be listening to this uh, podcast anyway <laughs> i don't think they're listening to us you're right yeah, yeah probably um, not <laughs> unless they were strangers fans and then they tried to give us a chance when they saw our strangers episode then we all dunked on it yeah exactly but do you have uh, any other horror related recommendations oh 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 i just thought of one uh junji ito magic cards <laughs> yeah <laughs> junji ito magic cards that's a thing now magic does a thing called secret layer where they do these weird crazy collaborations with either artists or like other media like there was street fighter magic cards and they're like limited time offered cards and you pay like Anywhere from 40 to like a ridiculous amount of money for a couple cards that are just special and they're never going to be printed again or whatever. Well, Secret Lair announced a bunch of guest artist cards and one of them was Junji Ito. You could probably just Google like Junji Ito magic and they're pretty fucking sweet. Some of the artwork. Yeah, that Thoughtseize and the Plague Crafter are both like top notch for that art. Oh, yeah. So these are made to where you can use them in normal Magic the Gathering or is this like a weird special thing that you have to have? No, as long as the cards are like legal in whatever format you're playing because there's multiple formats in Magic. So as long as the cards are legal in that format, you can play them. Huh. Yeah, like I use some of the secret layer lands in some of my decks. There's one called uh, Shades Not Included that just looks like kind of 80 synth wave kind of style, but for like lands, and I use those. Yeah, it's got to be weird though to juxtapose, you know, Magic Healing Crystal Warlock to like Stinky Fish Smell that makes you die infinitely. <laughs> well, and it was kind of cool too because when they did the Secret Lair, you could buy it in both Japanese and English. If I remember, it was just four it was Thoughtseize, Doomsday, Carrion Feeder, and Plague Crafter. And all four of them look amazing, but especially, I agree with you, Jonathan, his Plague Crafter and his Thoughtseize are, are my two favorite. Yeah. Those are pretty fucking rad. So, listeners, if you just want to like look at pretty cool Junji Ito art, you know, go check that out, especially if you like magic. They did one with Post Malone, too. So, yeah, they did a Post Malone series. Sure. Because Wizards of the Coast <laughs> is all about that now. I was half expecting you to be like, because God is dead. Because <laughs> God is dead, yeah. <laughs> as far as like any time I've been on here before, I don't think I've ever had anything actually horror to recommend just tangentially related to horror but a few months ago i know i had texted both of you guys about it after i watched it but i watched the strange thing about the johnsons yes <laughs> speaking of like uncomfortable uh fucked up stuff yeah all right choose on mr wait, wait don't oh, i'm cleaning it i'm here. not isaiah is it okay if i come in yeah what you were just doing which I had no right to interrupt without knocking. And I'm sorry, but what you were doing was completely natural and normal and and to be expected. And I just wanted to come in, not to make it weird, but just to make sure you weren't feeling strange. Yeah, I watched The Strange Thing About the Johnsons and uh, definitely big trigger warning on that movie as well. It's a short film by, I'm going to butcher how his name's pronounced, is Ari Aster. Ari Aster, yeah, the guy who did Hereditary and yeah. Midsommar. Oh, shit, I didn't know that. And I did watch Hereditary, too. Oh, you watched them both? Cool. Yeah, yeah, I've watched both of those. 
big trigger warnings for the strange thing about the Johnsons in regards to like sexual abuse. Not just sexual abuse, family incest sexual abuse. Oh, fuck. Taken <laughs> to like the nth degree. And gaslighting, a lot of mm-hmm. that. But yeah, so it is a short film that is a movie about a son who manipulates and sexually assaults his father. Whoa. Put it this way, the whole thing initially sets up like it is going to be the father who has been grooming and abusing his son. That's happening. That is happening. But then the shoe finally drops that it's more the son who has been doing it this whole time. That's when it totally flips and you're like, okay, wait, how do I feel about this? Right? That That's where it kind of like fully goes into like, okay, we're in uncharted waters. What the fuck is going on right now? Kind of land. It, is a truly uncomfortable movie to watch. Especially since the entire thing is played as a like weird Sears greeting card with happy music and beautiful cinematography and all this soft lighting and everything. It's all made to look very oh, pretty so they and do innocuous like, and everything else until... Like a Hallmark movie? Oh, very much. It's <laughs> yeah. very much wow. like a weird Hallmark movie. And it's about this most straight-laced suburban family like you would never like none of their neighbors would ever expect something like this happening it's an interesting one to say the least it's really short too it's what like a half hour maybe yeah it's it's maybe like 25 minutes total yeah well did you like it and uh hereditary though yeah yeah oh i i loved hereditary hereditary was fantastic the strange thing about the johnsons was a good watch it was interesting i get stuck with me yeah so yeah i mean i'd recommend watching both of them the strange thing about the johnsons actually i feel like stuck with me more than hereditary did but i really did like both of them yeah Uh, which makes me want to watch anything else of ari aster's uh even more as much as people are like, oh my god, Hereditary is like the scariest thing I've seen, blah, blah, blah. The strange thing about the Johnsons is so much more disturbing because it's stuff that actually fucking happens. Yeah. That one to me, I mean, like you said, it sticks with you a lot more because it's shit that everybody knows somebody. Yeah. Everybody knows somebody or they've dealt with similar kinds of things in their own life. You know, Hereditary's fun it's that weird roller coaster supernatural kind of thing but none of that's real the strange thing about the johnson sticks with you because that's the kind of fucked up stuff that you hear about on the news every Mm. couple of weeks you know it's stuff that you know can actually happen and the fact that it is being shown to you in such a completely counterintuitive kind of manner you know where again it's made to feel like this happy-go-lucky glossy hallmark thing is just ultra ultra disturbing and fucked up yeah yeah, now I'm looking a little bit about it. I saw that it's also was his thesis film in uh, grad school. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine showing that at your fucking class? Like, Yeah. <laughs> so another recommendation of mine, uh, it's actually music. The album God's Country by Chatpile. Yes, that's a good one. Yeah. I shared that album with, uh, I think, both of you. Yep. Specifically, the song Grimace Smoking Weed.jpg, <laughs> yep. which is a hilarious name for a song that is so just heavy. Yeah. It is just a heroin user having a mental breakdown, seeing Grimace in his room that is almost coaxing him to suicide. Like It's a, it's a yeah. heavy track. Me back, but listen, I don't want your presence. Purple man, smoking weed in my 
Despite the track name, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. The vocalist for Chat Pile, Raygun Bush. I'm just actually looking at the names of the band members here, and they are great. Raygun Bush, Luther Manhole, Stin, and Captain Ron. Yep. <laughs> but Raygun Bush, uh, the vocalist, is just an amazing vocalist all throughout that entire album. Like, he puts in some really good emotion to it. I feel like the best example of that are Grimace Smoking Weed.jpg and Why, which is a song where he is just belting out with just heavy emotion. Why do people have to live outside? We have all these places that people could live. It's warm in there. Why do we have people living outside? And like they yeah. just keep repeating yeah. it over and over and over. It's so good. But from a horror standpoint, like, yeah, Grimace Smoking Weed.jpg fantastic track great album i can't recommend it enough it's one of my top five of the year i remember when you sent that album and i listened through it and i really enjoyed it because it's borderline noise rock it is sludge metal up top but there's a bit of noise rock influence to it and each Mm -hmm. song tells a dark story and i remember looking up and you can just look up all this information on their wikipedia page for the album there's a lot of information or like the background of each track and everything but they're an oklahoma band i remember reading that um one of the tracks was about like a mass murder that happened in Oklahoma City. I remember reading that one of the songs is basically the singer's Friday the 13th fan fiction. So like there is very much horror influence all over this album Mm -hmm. and it's great. It's fantastic. It is. I agree with you, Jonathan. It just came out this year. It is one of, if not my favorite album of this year. It's really good. And I I mean, I'm a sucker for sludge metal. So yeah, add this to the top of your list if you're a metalhead. Fantastic stuff. And even if you're not listening to it as well, I mean, my favorite album of the year is a hardcore punk album, and I don't listen to punk hardly ever. You don't like punk at all? Yeah, yeah I, I hardly like punk yeah. at all, but that Soulful album is ooh, yeah. chef's kiss. And the very last thing I wanted to mention, uh, specifically to you, Derek, four months ago, you know who uploaded a new YouTube video with a lost episode? Who? Our friend Dan Bell. Oh, God damn it! yeah. I, I think I brought it up about four months ago on an episode, did you? actually. Yeah, I hadn't watched yeah. it yet. I just I just looked it up. He did an episode in Clearwater, Florida. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> So, listeners, for uh, we're spending a lot of time, mind you, on our, our recommendation section because uh, we're going to have a ball of blood rage. But yeah, uh, this is Dan Bell, uh, another dirty room. It's a YouTube series where they purposely go to those awful, awful like roadside motels, like purposely look for the shittiest rundown motel hotels and then go into a room and like deconstruct the room and review it and show you everything that's wrong with it. And every time there's a new episode, I purposely bring it up on this show because it makes Mansfield really uncomfortable. And I know, Jonathan, you're like the only other person I know who actually likes this. Oh, I this. 
serious. That it's so I'm, the one, I'm the one that introduced you to it. It's so yes, good. you are. Man, there's something great about like turning on a microwave and seeing a whole like slew of roaches just, just come out of it and scurry out of and it. Just like oh, I'm gonna sit on the bed. Oh nope, it's actually made of piss. <laughs> I hate it, but I'm blessed. So many of the beds have piss in them. By the so many of the <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Have you have you ever gone to a hotel and just noticed? You pull the sheets back, it's like, oh, there's still hair here. <laughs> Dude, the amount of blood, piss, and semen they find in these rooms is unreal. So I guess that'll that'll move us right along because Aaron is not saying a goddamn word. Aaron, one of these days we're gonna watch this with you. Like we've gotta we've gotta get a good another dirty room episode in with you. Discord has a watch together feature where you can put a YouTube video on together and watch it all together. I am trying to block out of my mind the fact that when we finally sold the house and I was driving up here with my car loaded as much as I could with the last bit of the shit from our house, it's a 15 hour drive that I split. I stayed in Knoxville, uh, partly so I could go to Grindhouse Video, but uh, also that's just kind of a good midway point. I stayed at a Motel 6, a Super 8, something that was on the edge of Knoxville that was like a $60 hotel room. Mm -mm. I am pretty sure that people were going there to have scat orgies because this paper was posted taped to the like weird bulletproof plexi window in the lobby because when you first walk in, you can't go into the lobby. There is literally like a teller window there that you speak with the person. They had a piece of paper taped to that that said like for all local residents, a $200 deposit was required before you could rent a room. That means that there were a lot of local people going to that hotel specifically to like fuck shit, kill, murder, piss, just whatever. Like bad stuff was going down there. What's the password? Orgy. Basically, yeah. Fidelio. (laughs) And uh, I did not see that piece of paper until the next day when I was checking out. But all, all things considered, I know now never to stop there again. But the entire time that I was in that room, I just kept thinking like, God damn it. I can't tell any of y'all that I'm staying in a place like this after how much shit I've given y'all about this show and how fucking gross it is. And then yet I just stayed in a place like this real life horror. It makes you think twice staying in any hotel, really. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, honestly, if I have to stay somewhere, I do not care that it might be a waste of money. I'm going to pay for a nice hotel. It's more than likely going to cost me $180 to $250, and I am going to sleep knowing that I'm not going to die. <laughs> I don't get hotels often, but if I have to, I'm going to shell out the money to not sleep in piss. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, cool. Well, uh, Aaron, what have what have you got for us this week? So I've got a couple things. Uh, firstly, with us recording this shortly after the end of actual spoopy month, um, I mostly did a lot of rewatching of things that were just kind of good comfort food for the season movies. But I did check out some like actually new from this year new stuff. And I'll talk about those first before we get into the thing that we you and I at least watched together. First thing that I checked out, and by the way, these are all on Shudder if anybody wants to check them out. Uh, the first is Speak No Evil, directed by Christian Taftrup. 
This was interesting, I'll say. I had this one kind of hyped up for me a little bit, and uh, where it goes is kind of exactly what I was expecting, but I would say that the journey to get there was certainly worth it. What's it about? It's about an hour and a half. Exactly. You're hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) It is about a Danish family that befriends a Dutch family while they're all on vacation. I've heard other people talk about this movie. They're like, oh, yeah, totally. You know how you just like meet other people while you're on vacation and get to be kind of friends with them. And then you kind of keep up with each other once you're back home. And I was thinking in my head, no, not really. (laughs) That's not really like something that uh, I do. But that's kind of how this movie starts is it's this couple with a kid. They meet another couple with a kid and kind of hit it off and just they keep up with each other. And then a couple of months later, the Dutch family reaches out to the Danish family and says, hey, why don't y'all just come visit us at our house and stay with us for a week? So they do. And initially there is kind of this weird awkwardness and it starts off in small ways where like there's just little things that keep happening and they keep snowballing. And initially you have that weird, but this is a cultural difference. I just, you know, I can't say anything about it because this is just something cultural and it continues to get weird. And you continue to question like, wait, is this just like a weird cultural thing between, you know, the two families or... Or is this something that's actually kind of weird and fucked up and not normal? And it just continues to go from there to this inevitable conclusion. It's one of those movies that gets more and more and more just fucking cringy and awkward as you watch it. It starts off pretty benign, like, oh, you're a vegetarian? Cool. Let's order this meat, you know, appetizer, and I'm gonna, like, be really pushy about you trying it. And then it goes to, like, you're in the shower, and one of the other couple, like, happens to come into the bathroom and uses the toilet and brushes their teeth, like, while you're in the shower, right? Like, it just starts off as little things like that, and it just keeps getting more and more awkward. Which, by the way, that totally happened to me at our house that we lived in in college and was a party house and it was towards the end of one of our Halloween parties and that (laughs) exact thing happened to me as I was in the shower. Why were you taking a shower in a one bathroom house with a party going on? During a Halloween party. That's your fault, man. It was towards the end and I wanted the hairspray out of my goddamn hair. I thought the door (laughs) was locked and apparently it wasn't. Yeah, well if you lock the door during a Halloween party that's how you get poop in the house. Yeah, you're right. But, But yeah, that that exact moment happened. By the way, the way you described this movie, the whole time I'm just thinking, this is an Always Sunny episode, but if we saw the real consequences of like yes. what they were actually doing. If it actually keeps going, yes. If it goes yeah. past the credits, yeah. we're like, oh, we have to actually deal with the consequences deal of Deal with all the this. consequences, yeah. That's kind of what it is, yeah. There are parts where it's very funny, and then there are parts where it's just like, ooh, that's fucked up. Like, yeah. you're a new parent. It's kind of one of those things that you always hear about parenting, which is don't tell other people how to parent their kids. How to parent, yep. Maybe even worse, don't parent other people's kids for them. You know, there's like weird little things like that that kind of keep happening in the movie, and it just gets more and more uncomfortable to the point that it really finally starts crossing lines, and it kind of goes exactly where I was expecting it to, which is where I'm a little bit disappointed in it, but it's a very, very tense very European 
an exploration of manners and norms, what we're all willing to put up with for the sake of maintaining friendships. You want to like make a good impression on people and you want to still have relationships later in life when it's a little bit more difficult to like meet new people and get to be friends. You know, just how far is maybe a little bit too far for you to deal with or too far to be appropriate, I guess. So yeah, that is Speak No Evil. I gotta say, I feel like they could have come up with a better title name for the premise of this movie. Yes, because it is just a very generic title. I thought it was a demon possession movie, like just from the name alone. There is nothing supernatural in this movie whatsoever. So the second thing that I'll mention, which was a little bit more fun, is VHS 99. This is a very special episode. Spend the night in a coffin. Lily! Lily! The faster you breathe, the faster you use up your air so you can't panic. This is the new entry in the VHS franchise, uh, which Shudder seems to be kind of doing their own trilogy now that are all years. So there was VHS 94 last year. We have 99 this year. And now we're supposed to be getting like, I think, 86 next year. Was 94 the one with Ratma? Yes. Hale Ratma. Just like any other anthology, especially the VHS series, there were like two really good standout ones. Like there's always like one really fucking an awesome one and then maybe two that are like pretty good and then the rest of them are completely forgettable this is no different i do feel like these movies are getting much much cheaper in quality though so the three that i would mention specifically are kind of the same three that everybody's talking about for the most part although one of them i have not really heard a lot of people bring up and i'm not sure like why it's not clicking with people but the most obvious one is a segment called suicide bid from director johannes robert the guy who did The Other Side of the Door, 47 Meters Down, the most recent Resident Evil movie, not the TV show that was apparently so bad. Speaking of The Strangers, he did the sequel to The Strangers. He did Strangers Pray at Night. This is a group of sorority girls who bring a new pledge out to a graveyard to haze her, basically put her in a coffin and say you have to stay there overnight. And they bury her, and things go from there. Really cool from a technical standpoint. Kind of has the fun creep show vibe of y'all fucked up and did something bad. It's going to come back and get you. So that aspect of it is pretty fun, and it's pretty intense. The second one that I would bring up is To Hell and Back, which is the final segment. This one's from Vanessa and Joseph Winter, who just directed a movie called Deadstream that's also on Shudder that I've heard a bunch of people talk about recently. This one was definitely more comedic, but metal as hell, grab your guitar, you know, lightning and bullshit. 
it's these documentarians that are filming a weird witch occult ritual in like the middle of an Illinois suburb. They're going to try to summon this demon, right? And what accidentally happens is these guys get pulled into hell. So it's just these two like chuckle fuck normal dudes who are filming a documentary who get pulled into hell. And this is the most Metalocalypse bullshit because it is desert with just bear traps and chains and spikes and bloody shit everywhere. Crazy monster people running around. When I say monster people, I mean, it's just like, oh yeah, there's Craig. Craig is in hell and Craig turns around and is just like hey help me (laughs) but it's just them running around trying to like find the demon that the women were trying to summon and they're gonna like try to switch places with him so they can get summoned back out but it's rad as fuck because it's again it's all like handheld pov camera and there's lightning and fire and all kinds of crazy shit happening but yeah there's fucking demons swooping down chopping people's heads off people putting their hands in like crazy goopy monster holes and just there's all kinds of nonsense in that one the one where i was fucking dying laughing the entire time it was a segment called ozzy's dungeon directed by flying lotus i'm in That's all I need to know. I'm in. It's a fucking parody of those like 90s Nickelodeon game shows. Oh, God. Does it go like full Tim and Eric? Yes. Yes. All right. So (laughs) so it's, it's like if you took Legends of the Hidden Temple and Double Dare and put them together and it's hosted by like a side character from fucking Breaking Bad and there's like a giant muscle woman with a torch and all these kids are having to like find the flag in the goop oh yeah cool we won the thing right like oh yeah catch the meat with your mouth and it's just them getting like pelted with nasty sloppy barbecue meat and it starts off fairly normal like that and continues to just get Get more and more insane. Hey kids, who wants to drink from the water hose? Yes, it becomes that. It literally it's becomes just that like, scene from UHF where they just blast that kid with a fucking fire hose. Basically, yeah. It literally devolves into like, yeah, you're gonna go through the human body, my body, and slide down the throat tube, and now go through the small intestine and dig through all the poop in the stomach and find the flag. Like it becomes that insane. But then the entire thing changes. It cuts out and you then see what's actually happening and it just turns into this crazy torture video (laughs) where a family whose kid was on the show now has the host of the show like trapped in their fucking basement and they have recreated the entire fucking set with all the obstacles and shit and then they're just making him go through the whole thing and it just continues to get more and more absurd as it goes on. Is this the first big thing that he's directed? No. So he directed an entire fucking movie. I didn't know that. Yeah, I mentioned it very, very early on in our show. It's called Kuso. Yeah, I do remember that. Okay. It is also on Shudder or was on Shudder. Kuso is really fucking interesting if you are into like animation and weird special effects and just absurdist, surreal weirdness. But Kuso is 
fucking gross. I will say that. Kuso is really just disgusting. Everybody in that movie has big gross pimples and is like dripping snot from their nose and there's just butthole aliens and all kinds of weird shit. Like if you can handle a level of scatological body humor, then definitely check out Kuso because it's very interesting, but it is incredibly surreal. It is like Flying Lotus pulled the most fucked up shit out of his weird 3 a.m. dream state after he's been doing DMT all night. <laughs> I, I see that Hannibal Burris and George Clinton are in that movie. There's a lot of people oh, in it. Oh, yes, I am all about that. I was actually just watching the uh, Eric Andre and Hannibal Burris Tinder takeover video before I got on here. Yes, that shit's great. Girl, why are you farting on that car? <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and the thing that also blows my mind is the music for this movie is, of course, Flying Lotus, Aphex Twin, and then fucking Akira Yamoka, yeah. the guy who did the music for the Silent Hill games, specifically the second one, uh, which the second Silent Hill soundtrack is rad, like it really is, fucking it is good. Legit, really good. Yeah. Like I said, Kuso's really fucking interesting. You just got to be really down with nonstop literal shit and vomit weirdness. Yeah. Derek has a baby. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm used to that. True. Yeah. <laughs> Body horror doesn't bother me that much. So, yeah, that's the highlights of VHS 99. The other segments I was just not so hot on. They weren't that interesting. Like I said, this franchise is starting to feel cheaper and cheaper. And I would hope that Shudder would maybe inject a little bit more money into it or maybe find some like more interesting partners to work with because it's very clear the directors that can take the budget and really fucking run and escalate that budget's potential and the people who don't really know what to do with what they're given essentially like some of these segments were just kind of dull if I'm being honest 94 was kind of the same way I'm expecting the same thing from 86 when it comes out next year although they have some more high profile people working on 86 so who knows maybe they were like saving budget for that one and kind of skimping on this one we'll see last thing I'll mention is again also on Shutter, also from this year I believe it is also on Amazon Prime this was way more of a dramatic way more psychological no real supernatural bent to it but Jesus fucking Christ this movie was kind of devastating it's called Resurrection directed by Andrew Siemens it stars Rebecca Hall from The Prestige The Town Iron Man 3 and Christine and The Night House I mean she's been in a ton of stuff and fucking Tim Roth go away are you speaking to me stay away from me and my kid okay you are mistaking me for someone else I know him I know what he's capable of I've missed you so much the life we made was perfect Come after me. Come after my child. I swear to God, I will kill you. He wants to hurt us, but I won't let that happen. I think you're having an episode. I'm the only one that can see you. The only person that really knows who you are. 
the entire movie is about this woman who is a successful executive. She has a teenage daughter. Uh, I say teenage, like she's college age. She is kind of living her life. And then all of a sudden, Tim Roth shows back up. And that kind of immediately sets off a panic response in her. And you find out why. I mean, you find out that there is a very fucked up history between the two of them. And there was a lot of abuse, a lot of psychological abuse between them, like to the point where, again, small things like, hey, I want you to take off your shoes and you're going to walk to work barefoot. Just humiliating kinds of things like that, that then escalate and become more and more extreme. And it's just watching this woman who had her entire life really together, just completely crumble and fall apart once her abuser is back in her life. And of course, this guy, is the ultimate tormentor in that sense because he will just show up places and then claim that oh yeah no I was just here you're the crazy one you're the one that's saying I'm stalking you like how do I know you're not stalking me like he's very good at kind of pulling that reverse psychology bullshit to tear apart her arguments turn things back around on her make her feel like shit and kind of further push her down that spiral staircase further and further there is a scene in the middle where she kind of finally confides in somebody and spills the entire history between the two of them and the things that he did to her and it is like an unbroken seven eight minute segment in the middle of this movie that is just fucking holding on her face as she's telling this story rebecca hall's acting in this movie is so fucking incredible she is genuinely i think one of the most underrated actresses that is working right now period she has a very very interesting kind of sprawling career right now it's weird looking at the things that she kind of ping pongs between but she is so fucking good in this movie and tim roth is fucking terrifying you know again big trigger warnings Big trigger warnings if you have a history of dealing with mental, psychological, emotional abuse, physical abuse, like any of those kinds of things where like if you have a history of being in like a really bad manipulative relationship, all the trigger warnings for this kind of movie. But it was very, very, very tense and well written and well acted. 100% I want to see anything else that this director makes, but this was not a fun ride, I will say that. It was very, very yeah. solid, but it was definitely not a fun time. The one thing that I heard about this is it is one of the most gut-punch, uncomfortable endings. Oh, absolutely. Right up there with uh, Men. I don't mm, know what the endings are. I would say not at all the same. Not at all the same. I, I heard they were compared by some people in terms of what the fuck am I watching, basically. I guess you could maybe say that. I would say that this movie is way more clean cut and what it's doing, but there is a surreal aspect of this movie that if you don't take it on the face of, oh, this guy is fucking manipulating and abusing her, none of this is actually happening. This is all bullshit that's being made up. If you're not looking at it from that standpoint, I guess it can be confusing as far as what the thing is that he kind of has her fixated on. And I'm not going to say what it is here because it is very disturbing and very absurd in a way that you know how you hear about people who are in cults and you hear about the cult and you hear about the things that they were 
were forced to do in the cult. And you're like, that's crazy. I would never do that. That's bullshit. I would never subject myself to XYZ thing. How could any sane person do blah, blah, blah? And that's different when like you're in the cult and when you are that deep, you know, when you are that deep, it all makes sense. You know, none of it seems that crazy. And so this movie is kind of the same way where like some of the things that he is pushing her on, on the surface make no sense, but they do to her in that reality that she is kind of living in. It is real. That's where it's super fucking disturbing that he's taken this woman who was clearly a successful executive at some kind of big, important company, you know, has money because she has a very fancy penthouse apartment, had her shit together, right? And just fully, fully breaks her down again and pushes her over the edge in a way that is super uncomfortable to watch. But the specific thing, like I said, is just so absurd and so weird that you, the audience, have that moment where you're wondering again, like, that doesn't make any sense. Is this actually happening? Do I understand what I'm hearing right now? But you have to kind of, again, put yourself in that standpoint of, oh, wait, of course, this is all part of the manipulation. So yeah, like I said, not a fun hang, but very, <laughs> very, very interesting look at how these kinds of relationships work and function. And if you're the kind of person where, again, you've never quite understood you know, how people get sucked into these types of relationships and you don't necessarily comprehend when you're hearing from other people who have been in abusive relationships like this, what they've gone through, watch this fucking movie and maybe you'll get a uh, new perspective on how intense and rough that kind of thing can be so yeah that's resurrection again on shutter and i believe like i said on amazon prime cool so the last thing i guess let's totally fucking switch gears yeah let's lighten the mood because this is going to be my only recommendation too so nowacky you specifically messaged us and was like hey i'm looking for blood rage so what is this movie blood hook Bloodhook casts you into the heart of the world-famous Musky Madness Fishing Contest. It's him! It's him! He's doing it! It's various contestants. We're all like time bombs waiting to go off! Boom! And the one fisherman who's the most unique fisherman of them all. (laughs) The master fisherman. (laughs) This... Master Caster will teach you all the angles. He'll reveal his prize-winning methods for selecting and preparing his own bait. Yes, fellow anglers, this is your chance to learn the art of planting your hook and riding in your catch. So come on down. And join the master at this most delightful pastime. Blood hook. Where the catch of the day is you. See blood hook. Fishing was never like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I watched the trailer for it and it just seemed like an absolute shit show. Oh, it was. And Aaron and I watched it and you dropped the fucking ball and didn't watch it. Look, I was planning on it, but I, I got distracted. Uh, like, we wanted to do a double Blood Rage Blood Hook spectacular. And, well, uh, give me an hour and a half and we can get back to recording this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's almost two hours, my dude. Like, this would be as long. It was 90 minutes. I looked at the runtime before I started this uh, episode. Oh, I, I watched 
watched the uncut, which is on Tubi, and oh, it was okay. hour and fifty plus minutes. Jesus, I thought I had seen this movie. Turns out I had not at all. I was thinking of a completely <laughs> different fucking movie. Uh, but boy, oh boy, does Blood Hook have a lot of the same energy as Blood Rage? <laughs> Just to give y'all an idea, by the way, it was distributed by Troma, which is pretty appropriate. This movie was directed by Jim Milan, who is famous or infamous, whatever, for being an executive producer on Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yeah, directed a bunch of episodes of that. Producer, writer, director. He did like a huge chunk yeah. of Mystery Science Theater. And a few of the people, including Kenny Murphy from MST3K, like worked on this. This seemed to have been like a weird coalescing point for a lot of the Mystery Science Theater people. The movie was threatened with an X rating for its violence and was knocked down to that 92 minute runtime. Which fucking how, how? Because this movie was not nearly. It's not that gruesome. That bad. No. Vinegar Syndrome, I saw, put out the extended 111 minute cut which is the one I watched, the one on Tubi. And even that one's not that bad. There's very little nudity. Like you see maybe a side boob, kind of. That's it. The gore itself, even that one kill where you actually like see the process of the killer where like the person gets chopped up and everything. Is it that bad? It's all done kind of half off screen. So, okay. So we're beating around the bush on this. This movie is about a group of teens who go to a (laughs) Wisconsin town musky fishing (laughs) tournament in Wisconsin. Musky madness, baby. (laughs) There is somebody who is hooking people with this big giant fishing lure and dragging them into the lake. So every kill is like somebody catching this big giant red and white styrofoam bobber covered in hooks and being like, and it has hooks all in them. And then they just kind of jump into the lake. It's never that gruesome. If you're thinking like this is Hellraiser, this is not. This hook is very cheap. You can tell all it does is kind of hit them on the skin, like when they're actually filming it. And then like the camera cuts and then all of a sudden they have the hook in them. It's like if you just get touched by like this plastic bob, you're automatically like hooked. The slasher is literally a fisherman just fishing people out of the lake. This is not ruining anything. This is not spoiling anything because they make it painfully clear. That's all in the trailer. Yeah, well, they make this part painfully clear. The killer only seems to come out when there's some kind of music happening and the cicadas are chirping because it's also like cicada season. And it's just like, whoa, why is this killer attacking? You can see who the killer is a mile away. Yeah. Once they like show you all the characters and all their little like quirks. I will say I was not expecting like what the goofy mechanism was. Again, you were talking about there being like a weird audio signal to the killer that kind of sets them off. But it's very obvious who the killer is. (laughs) Yeah, I'll spoil it. Skip ahead a couple seconds. They do the fucking, what is it called? The uh, Devil's Tritone from Music Theory. The three notes that apparently cause people to go crazy. Yeah, Yeah, just something like that. That and the cicadas. There is a little bit of commentary on like post-Vietnam in this movie that I wasn't expecting. Absolutely. So like there's a little bit of like post-Vietnam stress, PTSD with the Devil's Tritone and cicadas. You can kind of put everything together from there. And everyone is acting on another planet in this movie. 
movie. Like, we're about to make fun of Blood Rage. The performance choices in this movie is take Louis Lasser in Blood Rage and make her every character in a horror movie, and then this is what you get. It's trauma. So yeah, that that's pretty par for the course. I will say this yeah. much, though. I looked at everybody in this cast, and this is definitely one of those movies where like, oh, these people were never in anything else. Not just any no. other horror <laughs> movies, any movies, right? The only person that I like really recognize as the main guy, Mark Jacobs. And I had to look him up. Oh, the guy that talks like this during the entire movie? Yeah. Well, I looked him up. And what's fucking wild is, you know what movie he went on to be in after this? What? Fucking Goodfellas. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Did he have like a big part in Goodfellas? Oh, no, no. Okay, I was about to say. He's the dude when Karen brings Ray Liotta to the country club. And he's clearly uncomfortable because this is a kind of money that he's not used to being around. There's like the douchey guy that comes up and is just like, oh, hey, Karen, going to hang out later? And Ray Liotta kind of looks him over and is like, yeah, fuck off, douchebag. And then later, that guy assaults Karen. And so Ray Liotta, like, picks her up in the parking lot, brings her home, sees the guy across the street hanging out with his friends, working on the car in the driveway, and walked over and, like, pistol whips the shit out of him in the driveway. It's that guy. What do you want, fucko? You want something? Hey! What are you doing? I swear, my fucking mother, if you touch her again, you're dead! Don't shoot. Gotcha. So that's the guy that was like, oh, fuck. I, I know I've seen that dude before. Oh, yeah. He's in fucking Goodfellas of all things. Well, I also saw when I looked him up on IMDb, I saw that. Yeah, he didn't do anything after like 1994 or 95. And uh, boy, oh, boy, is his choice of line delivery in this movie ridiculous. Oh, well, again, I mean, it's trauma. It's par for the course. I mean, that that's kind of how everything trauma is. It's a lot of non-actors and a lot of TV actors and things like that. But like all of them acting to 11. So trauma is basically like the genre of horror movie that I enjoy. Probably. <laughs> you would probably like a you lot of trauma probably movies. like some trauma, yeah. So Jonathan and listeners, there is a part towards the end of this movie. The movie started dragging a little bit for me because an hour and 50 plus minutes is a long time especially for a horror movie yeah the length of this one is definitely rough there's a part where it's the final like confrontation with the killer and it's a literal duel with fishing rods and (laughs) it makes up for the entire rest of the movie i couldn't believe they were like doing this and like this was the big confrontation like the big like we're finally cornered by michael myers let's take him out and this is like what they decide to do and like mind you at this point there are characters that have guns and we're like we will help you like take this gun no we gotta do this right we gotta do this with fishing rods it's so (laughs) stupid yeah it was pretty enjoyable i will say just for like okay cool i have seen this movie not one that i necessarily think i would go back to but like we just said it was baffling once you find out kind of the what and the why of what's going on i'll say it was pretty unique and interesting and i don't think i've ever seen that type of thing before you know at least like it was the creative twist of it yeah. was kind of creative and interesting it was dumb but it was creative yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> oh man that whole scene too where they figure out the devil's tritone and put all the pieces together it's literally just the main character explaining the entire thing to the audience even though the movie has showed you that five thousand times to it well they've got to have some payoff for the fact that everybody keeps talking about that main guy having perfect pitch you know like it keeps coming back up 
like, yeah, why do you have such perfect pitch? I can't believe you have perfect pitch. This guy over here, he's got perfect pitch. And so, of course, that's the reason why it's Chekhov's perfect pitch that gets brought back out because he's the one who figures out what the fuck is happening, right? It's just, it's fucking absurd. And I will say this movie throws a shit ton of characters at you. And granted, they do it so they could kill off a lot of them. But at first, I was just like, wait, so who are we supposed to be rooting for? Yeah, well, it's definitely a lot of Midwestern actors. So it's just a lot of, oh, hi, my name is Bev, and I'm here to be the liaison for the musky fishing tournament. Hope you guys have a fun time, okay? It's just a lot of that through this entire movie. My MVPs were the post-war traumatic son that basically was like a pre-MAGA head way before MAGA was a thing. Oh, the dude who's like screaming about machine guns and shit? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then his dad, he was obviously trying to play like a character from like a 1950s movie. Yeah, you mean the old guy who's not actually at all an old guy. He's just definitely a young guy that they put a lot of gray in his hair instead yeah. of just casting yep. an old guy. Yeah, yeah, the one who like says really awful, insulting things, but has really meaningful heart and actually cares about everyone. Yeah, that old guy. Yeah, this, Blood this Hook, movie was 1986. Ridiculous. Yeah, it's on Tubi <laughs> for free. Um, I would definitely say check it out that way. Yeah. Not sure i could endorse buying this one yeah trauma put out a blu-ray of it vinegar syndrome put a blu-ray out a couple years ago so i mean well good now i know what i'm getting you guys for christmas (laughs) i mean i won't be that mad well there are lots of other worse things, I guess, that uh, we could be watching. We could be watching some Neil Brain movies. We could be watching... The Strangers. <laughs> yeah, just The Strangers over again. I've been watching a lot of other newer stuff that I will talk about on an upcoming episodes, but just stuff where, like, man, I might be out of step a little bit with where, like, some of the horror heads are right now. Now, you could do much worse than Bloodhook, in my opinion. But, uh, yeah, that one is available on Tubi if anybody is interested it was a fun watch i did not hate watching that movie no not at all like it it at least has the fun ridiculous 80s trauma kind of feel to it so if if you like that you would probably enjoy bloodhook cool well let's finally move on from our giant recommendation section because that's not cranberry sauce (laughs) because that's not cranberry sauce everyone knows the main course for this episode it is the undeniable the undying the inevitable 1987 slasher film blood rage aka nightmare at shadow woods aka slasher here's a little taste (laughs) before we start brad and i have an announcement to make Come on, you tell them. Well, we're gonna tie we're the knot. <laughs> Congratulations, Mom. Oh, Terry. Oh, I love you so much. Oh, that's really nice. Congratulations. I'm happy for you both. I really am. Thanks. <laughs> I guess the toast is in order. Um, oh, a toast. <laughs> here's to the new family. <laughs> well, I'd say that this big bird is ready for carving. Terry, you do the Well, seeing as how we have a new head of the family, 
I think it's time you started pulling your own weight around here. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Hey. Listen, dig in, everybody. Dig in. I mean, on the other step. Oh, great. That's not cranberry sauce. (laughs) Jonathan, so every year, since we made this our yearly tradition, Mm -hmm. we actually like not necessarily getting industry guests or uh, some of our other guests that are like authors or other podcasters on. We like getting our personal friends on. We just want to force our friends and family to experience this shit show and wonder Yes, is blood Mm -hmm. rage. Mm -hmm. We did uh, my wonderful sister-in-law, Lauren. We had Jeff on. We wanted to get you on, Jonathan, because... Like Jeff, you have a lot of weird sensibilities with stuff you like. You are a fan of oddities and sometimes things that aren't necessarily quote unquote good. I don't know what you're talking about. Everything I like is good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Blood Rage, we feel like would be up your alley. So with that, uh, what are your thoughts on this movie? What do you think? Let me lose you some listeners. I genuinely, genuinely enjoyed this movie more than I did The Strangers. Hell yeah. <laughs> I genuinely, genuinely agree with you. And, you know, that might be a hot take but this movie i've watched it how many times now seven eight times and it's still fucking fun yeah i had a lot of fun watching this movie there were a lot of things that stood out to me but yeah yeah i i enjoyed it i had fun watching this movie if i'm gonna watch a movie it needs to be entertaining and this definitely was well i'm glad because when it comes to pop culture stuff and like what you kind of enjoy movies aren't necessarily your go-to usually so i'm glad you had fun with this movie yeah i don't want to watch four hours of hobbits walking like no let me go on ahead and watch somebody <laughs> throw in pumpkin pie at a wall please <laughs> um so my second question this is one i ask every guest we have on in your opinion what is the blood rage what causes him to go off in your opinion like what do you think his end game was in this movie terry that is terry i'm todd i'm terry yeah terry what do you define as the blood rage why does he do this stuff and what the fuck do you think his end game was everyone seems to have a different idea an oedipus complex probably sure yeah that's the simplest one right yeah yeah at the end of the day i don't think he's sexually attracted to his mom but he's definitely in love with his mom and he's definitely jealous of his mom's happiness with other men and so he wants to get rid of he wants to get rid of todd because todd's the only other constant that's a man in her life so you're the first one to actually bring that up, even though it is kind of obvious on screen. Most people are kind of focused on like the fiance or whatever. And Todd was just a scapegoat. Like he kind of just views Todd as nothing. But I agree with you. Like this was a question I've been battling with every watch is what is the blood rage? Why does he decide to murder all his friends? I think there is a degree of he can't necessarily kill Todd himself because Todd is technically blood, but he can get rid of Todd another way. And that would be like pinning the murders on him in the same way he pinned that one murder on him when they were kids at the beginning of the movie and I think that's like the end game here is he's such a sociopath all his friendship that was years in the making doesn't matter they're all tools like bodies that he can pile up and then have Todd take the fall and then he only has his mom it's just him and his mom and I think that's finally where I I put it together I think I probably agree with you and simultaneously think that you are putting more thought into it than the writers or director did oh absolutely absolutely (laughs) that's what happens when 
this is the uh, what is this the fourth episode of Blood Rage that we've done? All I'm thinking of right now, there's an episode of Malcolm in the Middle where Malcolm's older brother Francis is stuck in like a snowed in place. Somebody starts playing with a string, and as it goes on, people get more and more and more attached to this string. They're making up a story for this string, and it's just like at the end of the day, it's just a string. You're putting way more thought into this movie than uh, ever should happen. Counter argument. So last year I was in that same headspace you're in. Last year all I did was take apart this movie and point out all the parts where there were literal errors on screen that you could see bloopers they just didn't remove in editing. This year, now I've come back full circle around and I think this movie is more competent than I gave it credit for. For instance, oh Jesus, there's the little girl that is looking for her lost cat in the middle of the woods in this barren giant apartment complex. Why is this little girl is in the middle of the woods by herself on Thanksgiving night? No one's around this apartment complex. Who knows? That's when she runs into Todd and Todd tells her like, go home and lock all your doors. The cats have a way of finding their way home, which I took as an allegory for Todd himself. He has a fine. He's the cat. But (laughs) you hear early on in the movie when Jackie, the partner to the doctor, who is my MVP of this movie because he tries to lure out Todd with weed, but he's walking and he, he gets false jump scared by a cat noise that was the little girl's cat and then they come full circle and wrap up that subplot when you run into the little girl looking for it so i think this movie does know what it's doing by the way that guy's name is jackie in this movie i think that's the first time i actually paid attention to what his name was (laughs) he was my mvp this year so the only names of people i know in this movie are terry todd and Artie? Artie, yeah. Yeah. Just because it, <laughs> Artie. it just stuck out. That name stuck out to me. And Karen. Well, Artie seems to be the only one that didn't necessarily deserve it. So, Well, let me uh, tell you guys about the journey that I went on this year. Because, uh, again, this is now the fourth time that we've done this episode. And uh, I got to shake things up. So I watched this movie forwards and backwards simultaneously you did the memento cut kind of so (laughs) i literally reversed the entire movie and then overlaid that on top of the movie going forward so as i'm watching the movie superimposed doubled onto it is the movie but playing backwards And so eventually, halfway through the movie, you get to that point where everything kind of coalesces for that one brief moment and like comes together and then like folds back out of itself and reverses again. Is that where you saw the face of God? There were some very, very interesting moments. This is kind of a weird phenomenon that I like looking at because there are some movies that are perfectly symmetrical. Weird thing here. Robocop is a perfectly symmetrical movie. Like if you play it forward and backward at once, literally everything that you're watching, every scene that you're watching, every moment that you see mirrors either literally or thematically like something else that's happening, but in the opposite point in the timeline of the movie. So this is this is where I was this year. There's lots of talk in pop culture now about multiverses and different timelines and all this bullshit. So this is where my brain lay. Like I said, some pretty interesting shit happened. So to give you an idea, obviously, like at the beginning, credits playing over credits is kind of a weird, interesting thing. But like the moment of the first murder, the initial framing, the first freak out of the mom is all perfectly overlapping with the 
end scene between Louise Lasser and Todd and all that, like all that is like perfectly happening kind of at the same time. The initial visit to Dr. Berman's office is coinciding with the final confrontation between Todd and Terry. My favorite moment, Julie and Bill, the like weird couple that went on a date and left their baby with the babysitter. And then they come back and like, they're trying to flirt on the fucking couch, Which, right? One of the things that I noticed was the babysitter when the scene cuts to that part she's literally doing vodka and tomato juice and the baby's crying in the background yeah and then like terry walks in baby stops crying and then later on it jumps to them arriving at home again and she's like oh the baby was an angel he didn't make a peep and it's just like you just ignored it ignored the fucking it baby cried itself home, to yeah. sleep yeah <laughs> there is a moment where julie and bill are flirting on the couch and of course he's like looking over her weird collection of liqueurs and there's a moment of close-ups and it's cutting back and forth between their faces smiling and flirting and it's immediately in that moment overlapping with the scene where you just see his fucking severed head swinging and her screaming <laughs> so you have both of these things happening at the same time and it's kind of fucking surreal in the best way there's just moments where Louise Lasser is eating on the floor in the kitchen the leftovers just right out oh, of the fucking that refrigerator that was one of my favorite scenes <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually put that in my little notes as something to talk about. Yes. Her eating on the floor is overlapping with the scene where Terry and Karen are like making out on the couch. So there's just this weird, the mom is literally on one side of the frame eating leftovers on the floor by herself in the kitchen and it looks like with the angle lined up the way it is she's watching her son making out with this girl on the couch there's just so many fucking weird moments where this movie kind of tips into surreality when you're breaking it down in this weird cosmic way and you accused me of going to like looking too much in i know that's that's what i was thinking the entire time (laughs) you were like oh buddy just wait yeah it's so fucking good when dr berman and her like goon show up at the apartment jack yeah you're so proud of you're so proud of that (laughs) (laughs) like i said jackie was my mvp this watch yeah when they show up at the apartment that is overlapping with the scene at the end where karen is running around the apartment complex like frantically knocking on doors begging for help and then that whole thing transitions to like them searching the woods and trails behind the apartment for terry while terry is chasing karen through the same exact area like these things are just overlapping and happening at the same time so yeah it was a pretty great psychedelic kind of fucked up watch doing it this way but i'm really glad i did because there is some pretty wild shit happening when you actually break it down and look at it like that so jonathan what were some of your like go-to scenes you brought up that one scene with louise lasser yeah which how did you describe (laughs) louise lasser i said she was a walking nicotine stain (laughs) (laughs) between the yellowed tarred teeth and the voice like you could tell that is not an act she has been a heavy smoker for a long time yeah at this time of her career she either just finished or was in the middle of a severe drug what was it cocaine, Aaron? She was battling cocaine oh, for a long time. I, I can't remember, Addiction. honestly. Look, I can just imagine her at some kind of gas station in the middle of bumfuck nowhere just going, I need another <laughs> pack of Paul Malls. Yeah. <laughs> she had been on a sitcom for a couple of years. Yeah, like we're like poking fun, but it sounds like she had a really rough career. Mm-hmm. That sitcom was crazy work schedule. I think she was under a lot of stress as a star. Yeah, she filmed like 350 
50 episodes of this sitcom in like a two and a half year span. She yeah. filmed an insane amount for this fucking show and definitely like had a moment where she kind of cracked. Oh, and she was married early on to fucking Woody Allen. So. Oh, yeah. Oof. This was like yeah. a weird moment in her career where and, and horror movies have kind of always been like this, where in order to kind of keep the cost down, you hire a bunch of relative unknowns, you hire a bunch of theater actors, you hire a bunch of local TV actors, you hire a bunch of just random people who are cheap, and then you can get one semi-known, washed-up kind of person to be in the movie as like the, hey, this is our big star, right? Betsy Palmer playing Mrs. Voorhees in the first Friday the 13th comes to mind. Or Chris Rock in Spiral. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. So Louise Lasser was kind of that for this movie, but it does bring this insane energy to the movie that I think if you had had anybody else, like if you had had Linda Day George in this role instead, which granted that would mean that her husband, Christopher George, speaking of like human nicotine stains, he would have been in this movie most likely. But like if you'd had somebody like her, it would not have that insane energy that Louise Lasser brings to this role. Like there's weird, just unpredictable shit that she does in this movie that I love. Like how many fucking scenes do we have of her having complete meltdowns on the phone, trying to figure out what the fuck is going on, right? There's just so much weird shit like that that I love. Look, 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 you don't seem to understand. This is a real emergency. This is a real emergency. I mean, he is definitely there. He is waiting for my call right now. He is sitting there and waiting for my call. This is very important. Operator, I am begging you. This is a real, real emergency. What's the matter with you? The thing that's wild is besides the opening scene and the scene at Thanksgiving dinner, well, seeing Thanksgiving dinner technically does take place in their apartment. So besides that opening at the drive through and then at the very end by the pool, every scene she's in is technically indoors in their apartment. It almost feels like another short film movie taking place in the middle of this movie where it's the mental breakdown of this woman. Like if we're just watching it happen, which is going to be meta commentary of this podcast, like eight Thanksgivings from now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. I do. Speaking of like getting way too down the rabbit hole with this movie, I do want to like next time maybe like really chronicle exactly the sequence of events of all Louise Lasser's scenes. But like from just basic memory, it starts with her like, okay, Todd's on his way. Fiance, whose name I still don't know after watching this movie multiple times. Brad. Brad. Here, take this pill, which I see, you know, I overlooked in the last couple watches, but she takes a pill of something and you assume it's going to be a downer to like like help her relax and chill out but it acts as an upper because the next couple seasons is her cleaning the fuck out of everything and then her like you said jonathan eating thanksgiving leftovers on the ground that was my favorite scene she's just sitting there shoving green beans in her mouth like i do at like one o'clock in the morning with a bag of mozzarella with her hands yeah Yeah. with her hands and then it's just her like downing glasses of wine and on the phone going hysterical with phone operators which man that dates this movie by the way so yeah like her just her whole character arc is a student short film like talking about film thesis this feels like a student sh- a short film of an older woman having a mental breakdown alone in her apartment happening on top of this 
slasher. Which, yeah. By the way, Aaron, I have a bone to pick with you. You made a fucking wild take, and I can't believe Lauren went along with you on this last year. And I'm still right. I'm still right. I know exactly what you're going to say. This movie has as much to do with Thanksgiving as the original Halloween has to do with Halloween. And my God, can you not like I just rewatched the Halloween movies? I'm right. I know I'm right. Besides the turkey scene. And then besides we saw cranberry sauce already and stabbing him with the serving fork and then her eating green beans on the ground. That's it for Thanksgiving. And maybe one character at the beginning like says, happy Thanksgiving. The Halloween has decorations everywhere. People are in costume. Michael Myers even fucks with people by dressing up in costume. There's jack-o'-lanterns everywhere he makes his own halloween decorations with dead bodies and like his sister's grave you were so wrong like i can't believe you would make that comparison counterpoint thanksgiving is about family this is a movie about family there is blood which is a stand-in for gravy and also not cranberry sauce (laughs) they go swimming which is what you're not supposed to do after you eat a big meal which has to do with thanksgiving well no one really goes swimming on purpose they're fucking on the diving board and then he kills them then they the two struggle in the water later. Okay, you fuck on diving boards, which is what you do after you eat Thanksgiving dinner. (laughs) Everybody knows that. The pilgrims did that. Yeah, absolutely. They all got chafed. There's the weird push and pull of, oh God, fuck, I'm home from college. I gotta hang out with my fucking family because it's Thanksgiving, but goddamn, my friends are here. I want to go hang out with my friends as well and go fuck around. But here's the thing too. Why are they on a date on Thanksgiving? Sure. Correct. Right. Why is that couple on a date on Thanksgiving? And what is with that dude and how right? awkward he is on the couch? What is going on with that dude? <laughs> oh, by the way, he's the he's the makeup guy for this movie. Ed French. He's just like, I've never seen liquor. Of everybody that <laughs> is in this movie, Ed French is actually the person who has the most acclaimed career. He has actually gone on to be involved in a lot of really, really seriously major movies doing makeup and effects work. And this was one of his early projects. So weirdly enough, like that's the guy that fucking made a career out of this movie. But yeah, the entire movie is him just going like, mm, creme de menthe. Creme de menthe. Wow. Coconut liqueur. I never had a coconut liqueur. But what do you do? You take it straight or on the rocks? <laughs> well, anywhere you like it. Not for children. Silly thing to put on a liquor bottle. <laughs> not for children. Of course it's not for children. Read it again. Body. Liquor. I thought you might like an appetizer. Not for children. <laughs> and the way he awkwardly sits on that couch, just like he's afraid to be touch the couch. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, if they they actually got down and dirty, that guy fucks. <laughs> but <laughs> but then I, I would also say, and, and uh, we, we re- revisit this fun fact every single year. Uh, the other person who made their career out of this movie was Ted Raimi. Yes, we also got that um, as the condom salesman at the beginning of the movie, who is also a frequent MVP of our watches. But yeah, uh, just a quick rundown of notes I took. Uh, Luis Lasser in the past looks exactly the same. <laughs> Dr. Berman had been working with Todd for just months. Never saw him interact with his mother. What fucking test is she running? Who invites their new neighbors to Thanksgiving? Also, Terry's tie outfit fucking sucks. Yeah, I did mention that too. I have that on here. Terry does not know how a tie works. Yeah, yeah that's fucking definitely sucks. some 80s shit. Uh, who the fuck lives in this apartment complex? I'm guessing all his friends and like one couple and the little girl with the cat. 
We already went over the Oedipus complex being the reason for the blood rage. Jackie, who's Berman's assistant, literally asked Brad if he was there when the Simmons kid turned into a wacko. And the Simmons kid is Todd. And he says this like in front of everybody, including his mom. Yeah, I did catch that because it's like an 80 no yard chill. line off screen, like after the what's that gun scene. Hey, I got him, Doc. Put that gun down. Todd is out. He's coming for us. That moment in my watch 
was overlapped with Terry chasing Karen through the woods. And so it's this weird moment of, again, Louise Lasser sitting on the bed looking in the mirror, but then it's like she's imagining and seeing like, oh God, this is what's going to happen if he gets out. He's going to run through the woods and chase down everybody and murder everybody. So it was that insane like overlap. Funny you mentioned that. I do think at a certain point, and the movie tries to telegraph this, but it wasn't made well, so like it's hard to say. But I do think there's a point in the movie where her character does legit realize Terry's actually the one doing it but i'm in denial about that because like terry is is the son i've had oh yeah all totally. these years so uh the dr berman dismemberment scene really had me laughing <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that was good it's supposed to be a jump scare but it's not at all <laughs> uh the little girl's acting in the lost cat scene where she's just like Okay. And then just walks off. That was great. I did write uh, about the guy and how awkward he was sitting on that couch. The sound effect of the record scratch out of nowhere really got me. I don't remember what scene it was. I just wrote down the record scratch. So it was in the date between the the couple and it's when the woman goes to the back to change into like sexy lingerie and like he's still on the couch, but he answers the door to Terry and then it cuts and then that's when you hear the record scratch. Yeah, that really cheesy record scratch sound effect there. Like, yeah. seems so out of place. Yeah. Late night tennis is a weird decision on Thanksgiving. <laughs> sure, yeah. yeah. I didn't quite get that one. Gotta work off those carbs. <laughs> I love Terry chasing after Karen, screaming Karen really terribly over and over and over again. Just press X to Karen, like from Heavy Rain. <laughs> <laughs> Just like yelling Jason over and over again. Jason! 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 The gunshots at the end of the movie were hilarious, but I think the thing that really, like the scene that got me more than anything was when Terry was like cornering Karen. Karen punches him in the knickknacks, grabs a baby and runs out and he just goes, Karen, that hurt. (laughs) That was my favorite. (laughs) So I tried to look a little bit for like scenes that were actually like not scary because this movie is not scary, but at least trying to be creepy. And there is one part in that chase scene. It's at the very beginning of it, the very start where he's like, he says something like, Karen, come here. I love you. And then he says, I love you as he's swinging the machete at her. That's kind of creepy. I kind of appreciate that. But then after that, like you said, he's just saying Karen terribly. And then he's teleporting all around like mm-hmm. wherever she goes in the apartment complex and like saying a one liner. And then like he's giving her every chance in the world to get away from him, by the way. But I do appreciate like him also just doing like the friend thing or like the Chucky thing where like he's having a good time with it when they go back to the pool he like opens the door to his dead friends that were fucking and he's just like oh sorry you two I didn't realize I was walking in on y'all so I mean there were moments of just competent slasher tropes here but yes otherwise it's all just ridiculous bullshit yeah I think the moment that like stood out to me this time specifically was just how much aimlessness there is in that midway point where it's bouncing back and forth between again the couple that's at the tennis court and then Karen and Artie hanging out and Terry's just kind of wandering around just going like okay who do I hang out with where do I go what do I do I don't know all that part of the movie does kind of sag a little bit but it adds this weird again kind of surreal atmosphere
fear to like what Thanksgiving actually is again after everybody's eaten and everybody's like kind of just like loosely hanging around. This is your take. And you're not sure like, should I stay? Should I go? Should I leave? Whatever. It's some of that same exact weird fucking energy. You're comparing just Terry aimlessly walking around to that moment at nine o'clock at night yeah. when football is still kind of on, but no one's really paying attention. After everybody's Half the eaten. people in the room are asleep. Yeah. After yeah. everybody's eaten and your buds has worn off and there's just that ennui that sets in and that aimlessness of it's like fucking nine o'clock. What do I do? It's not time to go to bed. You know, what gives? What do I do now? Yeah. Like there's definitely that weird energy, which again, this movie is made to be enjoyed on Thanksgiving. So maybe you put this movie on at nine o'clock when you're not sure what the fuck to do. Just put this on and enjoy it with friends. I was going to say on that note, what are some of your Thanksgiving traditions? So if you're asking me, definitely take a nap. Definitely hang around and loosely watch whatever football game people are paying attention to. Definitely try to break out this movie. And there is this weird pineapple cheddar Ritz cracker casserole with like a stick of butter recipe from Paula Dean that my mother-in-law ironically makes because I'm the only person in the family that likes it, but she makes it just for me and uh, it makes you feel special. Done. That's all there is to my Thanksgivings because usually my Thanksgivings working retail these past 15 years yeah. were like show up, eat, fall asleep, and then get up at like an ungodly hour and go work. Well, when I was still like celebrating with my parents actively, I know the Westminster Dog Show was like a big one. And then drinking Bloody Marys was another big one. Bloody Marys on Thanksgiving, huh? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. They always would make Bloody Marys during Thanksgiving. But with Savannah, it has turned into like brining the turkey overnight. Um, And then what we do is we wake up really early at like seven or six in the morning, prep the turkey and put it in the oven right away. Because we actually do the official Thanksgiving dinner as lunch and then have leftovers for dinner. And that's kind of like our odd tradition now. Okay. Otherwise, it's very traditional stuff, the food and everything. Okay. Noaki, what about you? So, growing up, there was like a four or five year period where they... Are you about to turn this into a blood rage, haha? No, no. Um, <laughs> no, it was just okay. a genuine question. So, uh, growing up, it only happened four or five years in a row, but every year it did happen. We had the tradition of sitting and watching the all-day marathon of To Catch a Predator. <laughs> they used to do that on Thanksgiving. It really does make you feel very thankful for, you know, not being a human piece of shit. That's even better than... <laughs> Then they're like New Year's Eve marathon of uh, Twilight Zone. Yeah, or like the Christmas story. I did. I do watch a Christmas story every Christmas. But yeah, I used to watch that. We would always have my dad's uh, white bread stuffing and my mom's cornbread dressing uh, because my dad's from the north and my mom's from the south. And I really like sage white bread stuffing okay. a lot. That sounds good. Yeah, so always have that. And my dad would make giblet gravy for my mom because people eat hearts and livers and gizzards and stuff in a gravy absolutely which, yeah uh, sick bastards <laughs> my dad would always make uh pecan pies with either amaretto or irish cream in it and those were always really good specifically the amaretto interesting i don't think i've ever had either of those in a pecan pie but that sounds really fucking good and i think i'm gonna do it this year yeah, yeah, it's the amaretto one more so than the Irish cream one. But yeah, a pecan pie with amaretto in it's really good. Noted. But more, most importantly, what's y'all's cranberry sauce situation? Oh, it's got to be ribbed for her pleasure. <laughs> like that needs to come out of the can with those ridges on it. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's the only way to do it. You got to hear that suction noise that as it comes out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we do both. We we would always do the canned just for shits because canned goes better on certain things. But then always make some from scratch. Heather's got a pretty good recipe for fresh cranberry sauce that has orange in it as well. It's very good. That sounds good. Yeah, we used to take the slices of the cranberry sauce, slices of the sauce, <laughs> and uh, put black pepper on it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Totally makes sense. Yeah, it's that's Thanksgiving tradition for us. Hell yeah. <laughs> so on a blood rage, anything else y'all have to talk about? I think I'm going to add blood rage to my Thanksgiving uh, tradition every year. So something that we did last year, and uh, we already pitched ours, but I do. I, I think this could be a segment going forward that we do with our guest. If you made a sequel to Blood Rage right now, because like most of these people are still alive, as far as Mark Soper, mm-hmm. who plays Todd Terry, is still alive. Fucking Louise Lasser is still alive, actually. Mm-hmm. If you were to make a sequel, what would your pitch be? All right. So Todd and Louise Lasser have a baby. They're twins. <laughs> oh, God. Jesus Christ. This is your Ari Aster energy coming out now. Okay, look, like, there's already that weird thing going on in that family. Like, there's something going on there. So you're saying Louise Lasser didn't kill herself, actually, Mm-mm. at the end. Mm-mm. And then she was still young enough to have a baby? Look, we're in some world where writing doesn't make sense anyway. So, retcon that. Mother doesn't die. Todd and mother have a set of twins then the same thing happens again because that's how sequels work <laughs> we'll be in shadow woods apartment which by the way shadow woods apartment is a great name for an apartment complex for a slasher movie to happen at no it would take place at the mall that was in the background of back to the future <laughs> sure <laughs> sounds good why not Real quick, too, the thing that gets me every single year, and I always fucking forget about it. First thing that pops up, Jacksonville, Florida. Oh, yeah. I, I saw see that, that and immediately just <laughs> thought of Jason from uh, The Good Place. You know what? Yeah, that's going to be, that's what the sequel's going to be about. It's going to be about them meeting Jason from The Good Place in heaven, the mom and Terry. And then they're going to be chasing him around no that doesn't make sense either i don't know (laughs) the heaven clouds yeah the heaven clouds because they're obviously going to heaven but yeah jacksonville florida always just cracks me up for some reason next year when you watch this movie instead of putting it forward and backward superimposed on each other can you do the whole pink floyd album thing but instead do it with chocolate and cheese from wayne and see how that all pans out sounds like a good idea (laughs) i definitely did the music thing one year and i cannot remember for the life of me like what i chose didn't work too well but wings chocolate and cheese i will certainly take that into consideration i don't know that that album is long enough necessarily but i could probably mix it with some more ween stuff and just make that work or just come with like my own custom mix but yeah ween plus blood rage sounds like a good fucking plan you could just play piss up a rope from 12 golden country greats on repeat over and over and over the movie (laughs) yes cool well what else do we have to say about the great blood rage all right well it was good working on this podcast with you guys i had a lot of fun recording hell yeah we were glad to have you on this time that's what else i had to say about blood rage <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes definitely i'm not glad Todd, to have I'm, not, you I'm on. not terry god those those gunshots hitting terry at the end were just hilarious so i like your track record because we had you on for house 
then the strangers which is such an odd choice to have you on for and then now blood rage and so like i'm sure when we do something else that's weirdly goofy and off kilter we're gonna have you on again so oh no i already know what i want to be on an episode with you guys for i want to watch i've already watched it i love the movie uh tetsuo the iron man down like yeah. i want to do oh that yeah movie. yeah absolutely yeah we need to get you on for that one uh mansfield what were did you have any other like moments of this juxtaposition you did where scenes were overlapping each other nothing major necessarily but there were just little bits and pieces of things here and there the intersection point happens right as julie is changing into her more comfortable clothes and air quotes so it's very interesting to like watch that scene kind of meld into synchronicity and then back out again but there's weird things like the scene where Terry is killing Artie, it perfectly overlaps with the scene of Terry killing Berman's goon, whose name is what again? Jackie. Jackie. Yes, the scene where he's killing Jackie and the scene where he's killing Artie perfectly overlap, but in perfect reverse. So it is kind of wild how like those two zoom past each other. Terry dropping the bomb at the dinner table that Todd has escaped coincides with Lasser discovering Terry's bloody shirt in the hamper. And so those two realities happening at the same time is kind of interesting. There is also the scene where Todd discovers Dr. Berman's body in the woods and is kind of sad and mourning and trying to put her fucking legs back to her body. (laughs) That is overlapping with him like sneaking into his mom's room as she's drunk passed out in bed, telling her like, oh, I'm sorry, mom. Having those two moments with his mother's, you know, his real mother and then his mother figure kind of consoling both of them was like a weird overlap as well nice all right cool well that is it for this year's review once again of the classic blood rage the wacky thank you so much for coming on and putting up with this movie hopefully again you have found a new tradition for your thanksgiving in watching this ridiculous piece of shit that we love so yeah big thanks for coming on bro we appreciate it hope you enjoyed it Mm -hmm. uh we will definitely have you on again in the future for another episode probably tetsuo like we were talking about earlier so yeah that is gonna be it for this episode of watch if you dare a horror movie podcast hosted by me your movie monster boy aaron and my cowardly co-host derek in which we dissect the fears phobias and social relevancy of horror movies across all ages and subgenres. uh so like usual you can find us on every podcatcher definitely leave a review and follow us on apple podcasts google spotify stitcher those are kind of the main ones we are also getting a lot of love on some of the smaller pod catchers like pod chaser and pod bean so definitely check us out there as well thank you all for your support once again big thanks to my little brother jesse mansfield aka party gator for providing the music bumps the beginnings and the ends of all of our episodes uh as usual you can find all of his stuff on Bandcamp at party gator at opossums at big clown um all the acts that he is associated with so definitely check out his stuff throw him a couple bucks get some good music speaking of music we have our spotify playlist that is pinned to the top of our twitter and facebook definitely check that out that is just a collection of spooky tunes in general songs from movies bits of score from movies so that playlist is excellent um we had that running in the background 
around on Halloween night as we were handing out candy to trick-or-treaters, so that makes a good playlist if you want to get some spooky vibes going. And yeah, beyond that, do we have anything left to say about fucking Blood Rage this year of our Lord 2022? It wasn't cranberry sauce. <laughs> That's not cranberry sauce. I'm going to say that Sally. every time that I uh, take a drink of anything from now on. <laughs> What's that gun? What's that gun? 